So welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Oil with Terror Already. I'm one of your hosts, Danielle. And I'm your other host, Sandra. And this is our 50th episode. Woohoo! <laughs> it's been, at this point, I guess about a week since our one-year anniversary officially, mm-hmm. which is yeah. like crazy. That's nuts. Uh, it feels like just yesterday we were doing this remotely, and we mm-hmm. still are. Yep. <laughs> we are. Maybe, Maybe one day. One day. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I still have to look up the audio equipment research, and then mm-hmm. I haven't really done that yet. I just know I think we need a mixing or sound box. Or... I think, yeah, we need different mics. Yeah. So Maybe in April in New Hampshire. That... Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that should be our test to try to record in person and yeah. see what happens. See how weird it is. <laughs> oh my god, Tim is yelling. No, Tim, no. <sighs> okay, so this is a special episode because it's a very well-known topic and Sandra and I are combining efforts and I'm doing the historical crime aspect and Sandra's doing the ghostly story aspect Mm -hmm. do you want to do oi of the week first or wait for the end um we can do it now um oh yeah uh the dishwasher saga corner of the (laughs) (laughs) podcast we were supposed to get our dishwasher installed last week then the day before dave gets a text or call from the installation company and tells us that all the installers were basically double booked. And we were pushed to, we got pushed to the following week, which is this week. And they basically told us that they would schedule us in for Wednesday. So now the latest is someone's supposed to come on Wednesday to install the dishwasher. My birthday. Yay. <laughs> yeah, so maybe it'll be good luck for us. <laughs> Maybe. But it's just so insane. We saw Dave's parents over the weekend to celebrate his sister's birthday. Mm-hmm. And we like told everyone the whole dishwasher story. And like Caroline's boyfriend basically said, Yep, I've had a similar issue with Lowe's in the past. I'm never working with them again. And I was just like, Oh, okay. Apparently they may have a reputation with this. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I just, it sucks because, like, the only two places I can think of that you can get stuff installed from is Lowe's and Home Depot. Like, I don't know of anywhere else that you can really get an appliance from anymore because Sears is gone. You can't use them. Right. So, yeah, it's frustrating. So, I I suggested to Dave a few times, like, should we go to the Lowe's over the weekend and make sure this is actually happening? But, I like, I I have no faith at this point. We were originally told we were going to get this by the end of January, and now it's mid-March. Yeah. Well, now that you've got the plumbing situation figured out, right? they should be able to. Yeah. They So they are going to waive an additional cost. Good. That I guess normally we would have paid because they have to change some piping or electrical outlet thing or something. But because of all the issues, they're waiving it. So that's good, I guess. Yay. I know. <laughs> like, at this point, if you were to ask us to pay for something else, that would have been insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
that's nuts. So- the fact that we can also like go back on this podcast and like listen to like the different like stuff you've had to go through, like you and Dave both, yep. is insane. Oh, also, I learned. <laughs> Uh, we were at the store, and I'm like, we're basically going through like a bottle of dish soap a week at this point, or something like that. So we needed more dish soap. So I find some at the store. Later, I find out this was dishwasher liquid, not dish soap. <laughs> I'm like, okay, interesting. Well, they're both designed to wash dishes, so how different can it be? I mean, I'm trying to use the dishwasher liquid instead of dish soap. And it's, like, not sudsy at all. Slightly sudsy, but not really. And I find myself, like, almost every time I wash a new thing, needing to get more and more of it. It's just, it's, like, I don't know, not as concentrated or Mm -hmm. something. So, like, I've gone through almost, like, a bottle. (laughs) A kind of bigger-sized bottle of dishwasher liquid in, like, about a week at this point. And I'm just hoping it holds out till Wednesday because... That's... Oh no! Actually, I ordered more, so I did get another bottle a few days ago. But yeah, I'm like overwashing dishes. Yeah, I I get that. So hopefully this week, hopefully next week, or you know this week, you'll just be done and you can be done mm-hmm. with the dishwasher saga. Yeah, <sighs> and it's well, just sitting there. The new dishwasher is just sitting there mocking you. <laughs> <laughs> The cats are so confused. <laughs> well, they probably want to, like, if it comes in a box, they probably want to play in the box. No, it's just uh, out in the oh, open. Oh, okay. Just exposed. Yeah, they're probably really confused. So, yes, I'm. that's mine. That's your boy. <laughs> okay, that's, yeah, that's fair. Hopefully, though, I'll also check in with you on Wednesday then, just to be, like, thumbs up or, like, thumbs down. I'll respond with a gif. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So I guess mine's not as exciting, but last weekend I went to do the adult thing and I got my taxes done. Um, because I go to HR Block every year because it takes like 15 minutes because my taxes aren't that complicated yet. So afterwards I was like, okay, it's like eleven thirty. You did an adult thing, go reward yourself with Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> so and with, it was within walking distance because it's, you know, we're in Massachusetts. There's a Dunks on literally like every corner. So I go into Dunks and it's really busy. And I was like, oh, shit, it's Saturday morning, 1130. Mm. That's why it's busy. So I go in and I'm waiting in line and I just want like a donut, like nothing, nothing big. And this asshole man next to me like comes up, cuts in front of me and is berating the barista being really? like, my coffee tastes weird. Like you made it wrong. And the poor barista is just like, I was serving her and now I'm dealing with you. I'm going to put you to the side for a minute so I can get like what she wants. Then she was like, sorry, miss. Like, what do you want? I was like, just a donut. So, and I'm like getting my donut and I'm about to leave. And this guy is just berating like the manager now being like, they made my coffee wrong. They made it weird. And I didn't stick around to see what happened because I was like, I can't. Like I've worked in customer service. Like I just can't. So I gave them like a $3 tip. Because I felt bad. Yeah. And I was like, I'm so sorry. This is how you're spending your Saturday with somebody's coffee being made weird. Which is also like, dude, like, just go home and make your own coffee. Like, did he, do you know if he ordered the Irish cream, whatever coffee they have now? No. Because I I ordered that the other week 
and it is not what you think it would be. I mean, maybe, but I could have sworn I just heard him say he just wanted a black coffee with cream and sugar. So maybe they use like a different <laughs> cream. I don't know. I don't drink coffee. So this is where I'm like, I'm a tea drinker. Like, I don't know. Wait, he had an issue at Dunkin' asking for coffee with cream and sugar. Yeah, he said it Out tasted of weird. all the crazy flavors and options. Yeah, well, he was like a 60-year-old man. <laughs> oh, my God. And I and it was a small, too. Like, it wasn't like a large. It wasn't like, a you know, it was a small coffee. And I was just looking at him like, sir, you just cut in front of me to, oh, like, no. yell at this manager who did not make your coffee why like you could have just there was three people behind me i'm like you could have just waited in line like just because your order is wrong does not give you the excuse to cut in front of other people waiting like no that's that's not okay so that's why i gave him like a three dollar tip and i just looked at her and i was like i'm i'm also like wearing my mask too because it's like confusing in boston still like some places you have to wear it some places you don't because it depends on the Mm -hmm. business Mm -hmm. i was just like i am so sorry miss like you don't deserve this on a saturday morning I'm sorry. And I just like felt sad and I walked away with my donut. Oh, sad donut. I was like, this is not what I was expecting my morning to be. Oh. So yeah, that's my oi. Just that's watching so intense. A, a older gentleman yell. Not yell, but like berate a manager for his coffee tasting he weird. He still called him a gentleman. Well, I did call him <laughs> asshole so in the polite. beginning. I mean, I did use the word asshole in the beginning, so I don't know how polite that is. But yeah, I just felt bad. Because again, I've worked in not that type of customer service, but customer service. And it's not fun to get yelled at for something that you had nothing to do with. So Uh, People need to be more patient. And not cut in front of other people. (laughs) Like, I don't care if your order's wrong. You wait in line and then you go up when they can actually like put their full attention on you to like help Mm -hmm. you. It's just, like, so much outrage. It's just so much anger. But I also, like, I'm in Boston, and I feel like Boston Bostonians are usually angry. <laughs> like, I was talking about it with a friend, and we were both just like, yeah, sometimes people in Boston aren't very nice. I sometimes mean, they are, sometimes they're not. Especially when it comes to Duncan. Like, yeah. they have so much they have to live up to. Anyone who works at Duncan in the Boston area. Yep. It's nuts. Yeah, so to that poor worker at Duncan, or any worker at Duncan that gets yelled at, I am sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're not not all customers are like that. Well, I asked if you ordered the <laughs> Irish cream, whatever it's called. Dave and I went through the Duncan near our house last weekend or the weekend before. Oh boy. And it was like, I'm the kind of person that I don't, I started going out to get coffee more now, but growing up, I like never, I don't know why, like just never went to Dunkin' or wherever for fun. Mm-hmm. So like, I'm the kind of person where like, I'm so confused by like the menu when I go to places <laughs> and I'm like, what do they currently have out? Well, like, what do they always have? I don't know. Mm-hmm. So I need to spend so much time reading the menu. So it's a like... When we go through the drive-through, you basically have half a second to look at the menu because it's yep. right next to the order talk box thing. Yep. So I saw something like, oh, Irish cold brew or whatever it's called. So I asked for that. And I end up getting like an iced coffee that's green. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, cool, Irishy. <laughs> I start drinking it and I taste pistachio. 
Nowhere in the description or the title of the drink does it say pistachio. So I'm super confused by this. So Dave like Dave goes in and brings my drink and he's like, oh, I think this is the wrong thing. I asked for blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, no, that's pistachio. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, how many people would be fine with getting a pistachio flavored coffee by ordering like Irish whatever? Yeah, like, that doesn't it's like. Oh, that sounds fun. Maybe it's like a mint something or I don't know, like cream something. Not That's... pistachio. <laughs> also, like if you have an allergy too, mm-hmm. like they should say that it has I like a nut. I think there was like, it seemed so insane to me. I, I feel like there was an issue with like, maybe they didn't hear us right or mm-hmm. they thought it was something else. Because that just seemed... Like, such random. a random flavor to select for an Irish-flavored drink. Yeah, it's definitely, I don't know, Irish. I always think of, like, McDonald's shamrock shake. Right. For, like, this time of year, which I've never had because I just, I don't know. I just, I haven't had the urge, but I've heard it's good, so. I've had it once, like, when I was 16, I think. <laughs> It was good at the time with fries, probably. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. I feel like that's the way you have to go to McDonald's. <laughs> you have to get like a milkshake and fries. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, I would not con- even consider pistachio like mint or I don't know what other green right. flavors are, but it's not pistachio. So that's a bit strange. But I'm sure though, like Dave, I feel like Dave was super polite. So. I know. I basically had to force him in there. I'm like, <laughs> I mean, you ordered, so you should go in there and do it. Uh, just rem- it was, like, so uncomfortable. It just reminds me of, like, when he and I got your ice cream and it was the wrong flavor. Oh, my God. <laughs> I felt horrible. I was like, I've known this girl since we were eight, and I still got the wrong flavor. No, well, I think I still ate it. I think, like... I think I told them that my favorite or top choice would be mint chocolate chip, but then yep. I think they ran out or something. Yeah, so we just got like, you like right reg- before you guys ordered. So we just got you like regular chocolate chip, I think. It was fine. <laughs> I'm sorry. Because we were debating, we were in line and we were like, okay, we know what each other wants, but like, what does Danielle want? And then it was like, he's like, well, she's your friend. And I was like, she's going to be your wife, man. Like, you should know this too. <laughs> It's like one of those like game show tests, like how well do you know? Yeah, like the newlywed <laughs> game or like the friend game where it's like clearly I don't know them at all. If they run out of their favorite flavor of ice cream, what do you do? <laughs> I guess next time I just won't get you anything. <laughs> That's the wrong answer. <laughs> well, we tried calling and texting you too, but like it wasn't like the service was weird, I think. And oh, I don't know. yeah, it was okay, just I like. It was just a weird, <laughs> it was a weird moment. I think I remembered enjoying it, so. Yeah. Yay. I've been there in so long. It's like a goat farm, or no, not a goat farm, a cow farm, dairy farm place. Yeah. It was really good. I think they're only open in the summer. Probably. Yeah. Next time I'll ask for your backups. <laughs> I forget how this conversation starts. Oh yeah, Duncan. Duncan. Yep. Duncan, I was also like doing some new stuff too. Like I tried their new like mini pancakes. They weren't bad. Hmm. Sounds Dutch. Yeah. It's like, all right, Duncan. I see what you're trying to do. I think now they have like a chocolate croissant too. I saw. Oh yeah. I feel like I I have heard that they're getting a lot more into the bakery mm-hmm. aspect. Yeah, I think. which I'm okay with. I like their donuts. So 
Mm. I was talking with like somebody, I don't know, somebody, and they were saying that they like like the more like decadent donuts. Like we have Bluebird, Cane. There's another really popular one that begins with a U that I cannot remember. Mm. But like, yeah. I don't know. I still like Dunkin' the most. Hmm. Bluebird and Cane were really good. Blackbird. Blackbird. Yeah. Yeah. There's Blackbird, Cane, and Mm. Union Square Donuts. Oh, okay. Yep. Oh, yeah. They're the square ones. Mm Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Like, they're okay. But, like, I don't know. Something about Dunkin' Donuts. It's just... Maybe it's the nostalgia. Probably. What's your go-to flavor? Either... It depends on my mood. Either jelly or, like, a chocolate frosted. Now our fans will know what to get you. Yes. Sure. I guess, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'll be going to Dunks a lot this week because when my mom visits, we go because they don't have Dunkin' out in Seattle. So oh, wow. It's just like over here and it's like what she likes. She likes their coffee. That's like crazy to think about a place that doesn't have Dunkin'. Because mm-hmm. it's all Starbucks. I feel like I've... Oh, yeah, that would make sense. So it's usually like the first thing she does. Ooh, so many Starbucks. She gets off the plane and she's like, I just want Dunks. Okay, mom. <laughs> it's like vacation equals Dunkin'. Yep. Home it's equals like... Starbucks. <laughs> All right, mom. We'll go. We'll get you your coffee. Okay. So, yes. Uh, should I reveal it? I guess sure. I'll reveal it now. Go for it. <laughs> In honor of our big 5-0 celebration, we wanted to choose a pretty well-known case. This is one that's I would consider a local because it is in Massachusetts, Fall River, Massachusetts, to be specific, which is in the southern part of Mass. This is the story of Lizzie Borden. And Lizzie Borden's house. (laughs) Okay. So Lizzie Borden is an infamous murderess who has been widely debated for more than a century. So Dave grew up in Mass and he testified that he had a class where students basically just studied the case and, like, gave their opinions. And it's, like, so well-known, I guess, especially if you're in mass, where <laughs> you'll have a class dedicated to trying to solve it. Why did we have that? <laughs> I don't That sounds... I think the closest I got was to solving the crime from How to Catch a Mock... No, To Catch a Mockingbird. How to catch oh, yeah. a mockingbird when we acted mean, out the trial. Do you mean to kill a mockingbird? <laughs> yes, to kill a- Oh, God. Oh, I don't know. I'm having a stroke. Yes, to kill a mockingbird. <laughs> How to catch a mockingbird? <laughs> Was I combining another title? How you to- might have been. How to catch a killer? I don't Maybe. know. I've been watching a lot of Netflix. Oh, that's amazing. How to catch a mockingbird. <laughs> but yeah, I don't remember ever. What what grade were you in, Dave? 11th. Oh, 11th grade. Yeah, we didn't do that at all. Ugh, we we just are so boring. We just reenacted the Battle of Bunker Hill in the 5th grade. <laughs> I don't remember that. We threw paper balls at each other. Wow. You were in my class, so you were definitely <laughs> there. I was probably, like, rocking back and forth (laughs) under a desk. (laughs) Maybe. I feel like I was, too. I feel like I was just watching, like, this is happening. We're throwing paper balls at each other. Okay, cool. Oh, no. I was just going to say which teacher, but I probably shouldn't put that in here. I'll tell you after. I remember. Okay, yeah. (laughs) 
because they might still be there. I don't know. Oh, yeah, no, they're still oh. there. <laughs> I do not remember that. Interesting. Yeah, fifth I don't grade. Know. <laughs> anyway, yeah, just blocked out fifth grade. So the story of Lizzie Borden is very well known. It's been adapted into movies and TV shows and even an opera and a ballet. Uh, I have a quote from Richard Behrens, who is the host of the Lizzie Borden podcast. And he says, I think we're still fascinated by the case to this day, largely because it has all the elements of a Greek tragedy or a Victorian melodrama. And the fact the case is unsolved gives its cultural longevity. Lizzie Borden has been elevated to an American tragedy at the same level as the sinking of the Titanic. So for those who are unaware of Lizzie Borden, she was accused of murdering her father and stepmother in Fall River, Massachusetts. It happened on a hot day in August in 1892. Fall River is a textile mill town located 50 miles south of Boston. Um, So Lizzie Borden was born Lizzie Andrew Borden. So her middle name was her father's name, I guess. I mean, it's not the worst middle name. (laughs) <laughs> at least yeah it's not, i don't know it's not when i read that though i just said to dave like this is how you know they wanted a son instead of a daughter when you yeah. give your daughter your the father's middle yeah but maybe yeah. that was a common thing back then i'm not sure it was the 1800s i don't know i don't know <laughs> so she was born on july 19th 1860 in fall river Her murder trial became a national sensation in the United States. Lizzie's father was a prosperous businessman who married for the second time in 1865. Lizzie's mother had died three years earlier. Lizzie was well-liked and popular in the community and actively participated in charitable work. Her father, on the other hand, was perceived as being unpleasant and frugal. Lizzie, along with her sister Emma, were always at odds with their stepfather and stepmother, usually over financial matters. On Thursday morning, August 4th, 1892, Mr. Borden left his home to conduct business. His wife, an Irish maid, Bridget Sullivan, and Lizzie were left at the home. Emma was away visiting someone. Later, when he returned home... Lizzie's father entered the study and proceeded to take a nap on a couch. According to Lizzie's testimony, it was around 11.15 a.m. when she found her father dead. He had been struck multiple times in the head with a sharp instrument. His wife's body was found upstairs in an even more brutal manner. An examination later determined that the stepmother's murder occurred an hour before her husband. So now for some suspicious details. Lizzie tried to purchase, I'm not sure how you say this, prussic acid or prusic acid, a poison on August 3rd. A few days after the killings, she was alleged to have burned a dress in the stove. Bridget Sullivan, the maid who was at home at the time of the killings, was also considered a suspect. She reportedly left the house that same evening carrying an unknown parcel. No murder weapon was ever found, but an axe in the basement was suspected to be the weapon. Initially, police were convinced this type of crime must have been committed by a man, 
because of the brutal manner of the killings. When Leslie was getting interrogated by police, her answers varied greatly, which seemed suspicious to the police. In addition, she didn't seem very emotional, and it was noted that she was unable to shed a single tear. The Lizzie Borden case quickly became a flashpoint in an Irish insurgency in the city. The shifting composition of the police force combined with the election of the city's second Irish mayor, Dr. John Coughlin, were all pieces of a challenge to native-born control. Coughlin's newspaper, Fall River Globe, was a militant working-class Irish daily that assailed mill owners. Soon after the murders, it focused its class combativeness on Lizzie's guilt. Among other things, it promoted rumors that Borden's on the Hill were pooling millions to ensure that Lizzie would never be convicted. By contrast, the Hill's House Organ, the Fall River Evening News, defended Lizzie's innocence. So um, she came from a pretty prominent family, and the Bordens were well-known in Fall River, and it seemed like they had different like families with the Borden name there. So they were known for their affluence and everything. Mm-hmm. So she's basically was like in the upper crust of Fall River society, I guess. So Lizzie's testimony combined with all the inconsistencies did not make her look good. But she found a staunch defender in the Borden family doctor who voiced Lizzie's innocence. He testified that after the murders, he had to prescribe her a double dose of morphine to help her sleep. He thought the drug's side effects may have attributed to her confusion later. Lizzie's sister, Emma, who was 41 and unmarried and also lived at their home, claimed that the sisters felt no ill will towards their stepmother because that's what the people were saying that maybe she wanted to get rid of the stepmother because of they kept fighting and whatever. So Emma said that they felt no ill will towards her. Five days after the murders, authorities covened an inquest, and Lizzie took the stand each day. The inquest was the only time she testified in court under oath. Apparently, Bridget, the maid, was outside washing windows uh, at the time of the murder. They thought when the stepmother, Abby, was slaughtered in the second floor guest, guest room, and... Andrew Borden was bludgeoned in the first floor sitting room shortly after his return. And at that point, apparently the servant was resting in the attic. The police marshal determined that Lizzie was probably guilty because they weren't sure about, they couldn't account consistently for her movements. So she was arrested on August 11th, which was one week after the murders. Arrested on August 11th. So I guess during the preliminary hearing, one of Boston's most prominent defense lawyers joined the family attorney to advocate for her innocence, and she was able to afford the best legal representation because of her affluence. Mm -hmm. So I guess the small courtroom was full of her supporters, particularly women from the Hill, and the Hill was an affluent area of Fall River. Some people think that one of Lizzie Borden's motives for killing her father was because she wanted to live in the sort of Fall River was like more fashionable and nice than the current 
area where she resided with her family. Mm-hmm. So she asked her father if they could move there. But I guess he always said no and, I don't know, maybe held out money from her or something. So apparently people think that maybe that was the motive because he wouldn't right, give her money or move the family there. A Harvard chemist reported that he found no blood on two axes and two hatchets that police retrieved from the cellar. Lizzie had turned over to the police two days after the murders. The dress she allegedly wore on the morning of August 4th, it only had a minuscule spot of blood on the hem. She had a legion of supporters throughout this whole time. And I guess Emma was known as a spinster, apparently. That was a public perception of her. On their mother's deathbed, the mother made Emma promise she would always look after her baby sister, Lizzie. Mm Mm-hmm. Emma took that to heart and devoted her life to helping out her younger sister. At the preliminary hearing, Lizzie's defense attorney delivered a rousing closing argument. Her partisans erupted in a loud audience. It was to no avail. The judge determined she was probably guilty and should remain jailed until a superior court trial. Easily everyone thought she was guilty, but there were holes in the police police evidence. So Alice Russell, a single, pious, 40-year-old member of Central Congregational, was Lizzie's close close friend. Shortly after Andrew had been killed, Lizzie sent Bridget Sullivan to summon Alice. Then Alice had slept in the Borden house for several nights after the murders, with the brutalized victim stretched out on mortician boards in the dining room. Russell had identified at the inquest preliminary hearing and earlier before the grand jury, but she had never disclosed one important detail. Distressed over her omission, she consulted a lawyer who said she had to tell the district attorney. On December 1st, Russell returned to the grand jury. She testified that on Sunday morning after the murders, Lizzie pulled a dress from a shelf in the pantry closet and proceeded to burn it in the cast iron coal stove. The grand jury indicted Lizzie the next day. Fall River was excluded from the jury pool. Yeah, that makes sense. So it says they had to go to small, heavily agricultural towns. Half of the jurors were farmers. Others were tradesmen. One owned a metal factory in New Bedford. Most were practicing Protestants, some with daughters around Lizzie's age. A sole Irishman made it through the jury selection process. Not surprisingly, the jury quickly decided to acquit her. Then they waited for an hour so that it would appear they had not made a hasty decision. The women's groups were cheering for Lizzie's acquittal, but at the same time, she was basically shunned, it sounds like, from the Fall River community after this. Um, Two months after the innocent verdict, Lizzie and her sister Emma moved into a large Victorian house in the Hill area. Mm-hmm. Many people there and the Central Congregational Church shunned her. Lizzie became a sort of curiosity in the Fall River area. She would be followed by street urchins and stare down whenever she appeared in public. And this resulted in her withdrawing to her home. Even there, neighborhood kids pestered Lizzie with pranks. Four years after... Her acquittal, a warrant was issued for her arrest in Providence. 
She was charged with shoplifting and apparently made restitution. I guess Lizzie enjoyed traveling to Boston, New York, and Washington, D.C., dining in style and attending the theater. Oh, yeah, this is something I've heard before. In 1904, Lizzie and her sister Emma had a large falling out, and Emma moved out of the house they shared in 1905, and apparently the sisters never saw each other again. Both died in 1927. Lizzie died first, and Emma died nine days later. They were interred next to their father. So that's the story of Lizzie Borden. Oh, also Bridget Sullivan, the maid, moved to Montana and died at the age of 66 without ever speaking of the infamous crime again. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, there are so many theories involving this topic. Also, there was a movie came out kind of recently, I don't know, maybe five years ago, Kristen Stewart and Chloe mm-hmm. Sauvigny, yeah. how they, yeah. the movie made it seem like Bridget Sullivan the Maid and Lizzie Borden were lovers. Yeah, I heard about that. I also heard a theory that it was Lizzie's uncle that killed them. Mm. I don't know. I heard that on a show or a podcast or read it somewhere. I can't remember. So there's that theory. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then the theory that her and Bridget were lovers was another one. There was also a theory that I think was in one of the movies, but I can't remember if it was or not, where her dad, like, sexually assaulted her. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think I did see that, too. She Mm -hmm. wanted, and that was, like, motive for her to, like, kill him, Mm because, like, she didn't want, obviously, it to happen. So I heard about that, too. So there's just so many different theories and possibilities with this murder it's It's probably one of the reasons why it's still talked about to this day because it's like i guess Mm -hmm. the police had some issues with their evidence so it seems like no one there was no real way of knowing what actually happened and yeah there were so many like i don't know different directions Mm -hmm. it could have gone in it would be interesting if it's happened today like if we would have if they would have been able to solve Mm -hmm. it today Um, just with the technology that we have and everything but i don't know it's also annoying because like we'll actually never know you know so it's forever going to be unsolved maybe someone's great 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 grandkid comes out who's (laughs) like my grandma or grand maybe possibly i doubt it but i don't know you know you never know i'm excited to hear about your ghost things so yeah, so to start off with the continuation since the murder, um, I researched a little bit into like the buying history of the house. So apparently it started to be operated as a bed and breakfast back in 1996, and that was under the ownership of Martha McGinn, who inherited the house. Um, Martha's grandparents actually purchased the house back on August 4th, 1948. And according to her, the rumor Lizzie's stepmother, Abby... Borden was found murdered is apparently the most requested room of the bed and breakfast. Um, and according to the Fall River Historical Society, or I guess, and the Fall River Historical Society actually promotes um, the Lizzie Borden bed and breakfast as a tourist attraction. So you can definitely go there and visit if you want to. There are often tours of the house that make reference to possibility of possible to the possibility of ghostly activity. There's a book called The Good Chronicles, self-proclaimed by the medium Maureen Wood and self-proclaimed 
paranormal scientist Ron Kolick who describes the experience of ghostly events in the house. And I guess the house was also recently listed for sale in 2021 and was then sold to Lance Zeal for $2 million. Zeal then stated that he would keep the property operating as a bed and breakfast and hope to expand the business to include other Lizzie Borden themed activities in the future. He also did say he's also the CEO of U.S. Ghost Adventures, and he did state that it is haunted and that guests have experienced uh, limbs or ears being pulled, and they have seen different figures moving about in the rooms. They've seen a woman in a nightgown and the Andrew and Abby suite, and this figure is actually believed to be Abby Borden. There is a manager by the name of Jared who has seen doors move on their own. His parents hoped or happened to be the caretakers of the Lizzie Borden house back in the 1990s. And when he was there as a child, he would see a shadow figure move in the basement. The new owner has also encountered a few different things. So for instance, in May of this year, when sleeping in the Bridget Sullivan room, the wind-up cat toy on the chest stand actually started to play all by itself. Then in February in the Andrew suite, he decided to stay alone in the house and he heard voices and footsteps and furniture being moved. Uh, Then one night he felt a presence enter the side room that he was staying in um, and that surrounded him and touched his leg and would pull on the comforter. Other spooky goings on include sightings of the rocking chair moving back and forth on its own. And I guess this past June, there were witnesses that also observed the chair moving a few feet across the floor and to a group of guests. And that was all according to Zeal and what he has experienced. Other scary experiences are just people saying just what essentially has happened to them that I found through a few different articles. One of the weird things that I found was one person that was staying there in a TripAdvisor review stated, and I quote, I was told that if you leave money on the dresser, Andrew Borden would actually leave you alone at night. He then went on to say, if you select this room and would like to be left alone, I suggest that you leave money. The Lizzie Borden house has also been featured on the Travel Channel's TV show Ghost Adventures back in 2012. It was an episode that featured a tour guy claiming that the ghost of Andrew Borden punched her in the back. Some people have also claimed to have heard noises of creaking or footsteps. There have been noises such as children's laughter, and they have seen ghostly face appearing on the wall of the basement. Many other people, also including former tour guides, have spent time in the house without incident. A woman by the name of Shelly Dziek says that she has slept in the house alone in every room on every floor and that she's never seen anything. And she was a former longtime tour guide and employee. She then went on to say, I've heard odd sounds once in a while. You could explain about 99.9% of them. And when they put the air conditioning in, the house is honeycombed full of holes, so sound does travel rather strangely. People have also checked out on me terrified. I've had to walk people to the bathroom. Um, The dead don't hurt you. It's the living outside the window that you need to be worried about, which I thought was kind of an interesting quote. Other people who have experienced other oddities, which included taking photos showing people not there, Guests have stayed and experienced the fire alarm going off around 3 a.m. for no reason. The employees then confirmed that whenever the fire alarm goes off, it's always around that same time and it happens every few months. So because it is still a bed and breakfast, they are still trying to do like fun things. They do offer a variety of different tours. 
every day and they do also have virtual tours which were added this year most likely due to covid um so even if you can't visit the bed and breakfast in person anytime soon you can still actually enjoy the full tour experience there is a 90 minute tour of the house that will take you through all the rooms of the house the 90 minute tour ghost tour is offered nightly and includes other haunted spots in fall river there are also two hour ghost hunts that take place later at night and they are Uh, really for those who want to be on more of a ghost hunt in the Lizzie Borden house. And they generally do those tours after you check in and before you retire for the night. In addition to the tours, there is also, um, they've offered different events like painting with Lizzie Borden, which is like kind of a virtual Bob Ross style event where guests can join a modern Lizzie Borden as she paints a surprise macrobating painting with participants able to follow along at home as well, which is interesting. I've Never really heard of that, but that I find kind of fascinating. Um, I was not expecting you to say that. I was not expecting to say that either when I was doing this research. Um, there's also a mystery game where you can travel back in time to the afternoon of when the murders t- took place and you can play detective. You can also talk to the witnesses and try to find out the real killer, which I found kind of fun. I think that would be fun um, to kind of do mm-hmm. like a mystery game. Then as Danielle has stated, the Lizzie Borden has also been in a lot of pop culture. So there is an episode of the CW Supernatural, which was called Thin Lizzie, that was back in 2015. It's season 11, episode 5, for those who are interested, that involved a series of murders centered on the Lizzie Borden house, Bed and Breakfast. It does not, however, depict any actual, like, depict the actual outside of the house, nor the people working inside of it favorably. Mm. There was also an expansion pack called Nuka World, for the 2015 post-apocalyptic video game called Fallout 4, which featured a house resembling both like the Winchester Mystery House, where the narrator tells the story of a young girl named Lucy who murdered her parents. So kind of, I guess, takes off on Lizzie Warden, but also like not really. But if you're interested, check it out. There have been um, a few books about Lizzie Borden, such as Life with the Afterlife, 13 Truths I Loved About Ghost, who, which was written by Amy Brunei and Julie Tremaine. Amy Brunei actually is, she has her own show now. I can't remember the exact name off the top of my head, but she was also one of the investigators on Ghost Hunters. There's also another, uh, I guess it also is featured in the book Kindred Spirits, Ghost Hunters and Ghost Adventures as well. There have been several movie adaptations on this story. Um, the first one was Lizzie Borden took an axe to Fort. It was a 2014 TV movie for Lifetime. That one starred Christina Ricci, and it was more of a satire that they have I think about I Lizzie. Saw that. Yeah, where she was portrayed as more mm-hmm. of a troublemaker. She was drinking. She was shoplifting. She was stealing money from her father. So, kind of gave her more motivation to like kill him, I guess, in a different way. There is also a 1975 movie called The Legend of Lizzie Borden, and this was more of a courtroom drama style starring Elizabeth Montgomery, who was in Bewitched. And the most recent adaptation, which Danielle also talked about, was just titled Lizzie, and it was from 2018. That starred Kristen Stewart um, as Bridget, and that was more about Lizzie's relationship with Bridget Sullivan. And Lizzie was played by Chloe Servigny, who is from American Horror Story. Yeah, there's a lot that goes on in the Lizzie Borden house. And it's interesting that even though it's changed owners a few times since the 90s, it's still a and b So it is kind of cool that you can go and you can stay. And I found a lot of different 
stories from people who have, you know, they've stayed over, they've experienced nothing, or they stayed over and they felt mm-hmm. really creeped out. It's also just creepy, I think, just staying in a room where you know someone was murdered, even if it was like 150, 200 years ago, it's still like somebody's been murdered. Mm-hmm. So, and the fact that they had the bodies there too for a few days after, like while they were being um, kind of investigated to figure out like cause of death and all of that. So, but overall, um, I think it would be kind of fun to go stay at the house. I don't honestly know, like, I think it would, like, if you and I went, it would be fun because I feel like you and I kind of balance each other out where you would be like, you're fine. Like, you're fine. I am but... curious about the ghost hunting one. I'm like, if I were to try doing that anywhere, that seems like a pretty good location. <laughs> and so many people have done it too. Like, just looking at YouTube, if you just go on and you look, so many people have gone to the house and they've done stuff with, like, the different apps or, like, the different equipment and they've, like, heard stuff or, like, just weird mm-hmm. stuff has happened. So I think it would definitely be an interesting place to go. I'm also interested by the fact that they decided to do it a little bit virtually as well. Um, So you don't actually have to go. You can still like get like Mm -hmm. a virtual tour. And I think like the murder mystery game would be really fun. I know. I was just thinking that too. I want to try that. (laughs) So I think that would be fun because I love Mm -hmm. murder mysteries and trying to figure out like who done it. But overall, I was kind of surprised by the history, but I wasn't surprised that people have experienced things just because that house has such like an interesting history and bad things have happened. And clearly the ghosts are still trying to like stick around and you kind of wonder like, is it because Lizzie wasn't arrested or did Lizzie actually do it? So it is kind of one again of those weird like whodunit, we'll never know type things. I know. It's like... Yeah, it's like a classic, it has all the makings of a classic whodunit because of all the different people involved. Mm -hmm. They could have potentially had all these motives. There was money, there was like society, I don't know, spinster sisters. Also, if if Lizzie wasn't from such like a well-known and like wealthy family, would she have been Mm -hmm. found guilty? Like, if she couldn't afford the lawyers that she had. And, right, I was just going to say, she was able to afford the best Mm -hmm. lawyers. Mm -hmm. Yep, so it's also just, like, and I don't know. It's a lot to think about. But there's definitely still a debate on whether or not she did it. And it's interesting who you talk to. They even hire 11th grade students who try to figure it out for them. (laughs) A.K.A. Dave. A.K.A. Dave the intern. (laughs) Dave, what did you find when you were forced to solve the crime, the Lizzie Borden murders? Who did you think was guilty? I was on the defense of that case. I had a cross-examinated Bridget Sullivan. Did you find out if they were lovers? I should have explored that angle, but... It was a Catholic school, so maybe no one spoke of that. Dave nodded. You know, I think she did it here. Mm -hmm. A lawyer, you have to believe your client. How much you want them to hang. Yeah, so... And I also found it interesting that apparently the public perception of her father was negative. Like, it seemed like, mm-hmm. I don't know, yeah. he maybe didn't have a great personality or... Because I think I find it funny when people dislike people and then say they're frugal. Because it's like, what is that? How do you dislike someone for being frugal? <laughs> that doesn't make sense. It's like, did they, like, what, they said they are going to pay for lunch once and didn't, and then, like, ran away laughing. 
<laughs> like, look at the how could they have harmed you? By... Well, if you're in like a small town and you need people's business to like keep your stuff go, like to keep your shops going, and people don't pay or don't want to pay, then it's like they're right. not helping you. So I guess I can understand it in that way. I don't know. I guess another word for it is cheap. I don't know. But I heard that too, that he wasn't well liked. So, so again, we will never know. Mm-hmm. But let us, listeners, let us know what you think. Do you think that Lizzie Borden is guilty or do you think she's innocent? Because I don't, I honestly don't know. And did you act this out when you were in the 11th grade? <laughs> or any grade? <laughs> All right. Well, everyone, thank you very much for joining us for our 50th episode. We hope that you've enjoyed it. And you can find us on Instagram. Our page is Oi with the Terror Already. You can also find us on Facebook at Oi with the Terror Already podcast. If you have any opinions or stories or anything you want to share, you can email us at Oi with the Terror Already at gmail.com. We do drop a new episode every Thursday. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or, or Google Podcasts, or anywhere where podcasts are available. And we want to also thank our new listeners as well, and thank our listeners who have been with us since the beginning. Yay! <laughs> and I guess we'll see you all next week. Bye!